couple days, since Sunday morning, since Sunday fun day. Amen. So now we're at wind day. We win day on Wednesday. This is win day. You win. We always win, right? All I do is win. No matter what. <laughs> Glory to God. That's the truth what the Bible says. He always causes us to triumph. So that means I always win no matter what. Glory to God. Losing is not an option for me. Remember we read that the other day in Psalm 23, uh, uh, verse uh, 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, right? That word want in the Hebrew means fail. So I will not fail. So I can't fail. It's impossible for me to fail. I always win, says Annie. You're a winner, says Annie. In every situation, every circumstance, we're winners. Amen? Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. All right, First Peter chapter 1 and um, verse 17 and 18. We'll just read that for time's sake here to begin, all right? We were reading from the New King James Version. If you don't have that version, let's read together. It'll be on the screen in front of you. Let's read together. Ready, read. And if you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, Conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear or in reverence, right? Verse 18, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers. I'll keep going to verse 19 as well, please. But with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Without blemish and without spot. Again, verse 18 says, knowing that we have been uh, we've been redeemed from our aimless conduct received by tradition from our fathers. So we're talking tonight again, this is part two of Breaking Bad Traditions. We've, we've been in this series, Breaking Bad, for the last uh, couple weeks here, a few weeks. So this is the closeout of that, I believe, Breaking Bad Traditions, part two. At least the third part of that series, we can call it that. Father, thank you tonight for the opportunity we have now to, to hear and receive your word. Hearing ears and seeing eyes, they are both from you. Your word declared, Jesus said, blessed are our eyes for they see and blessed are our ears for they hear. I pray, Father, that the eyes of our understanding tonight will be enlightened. Open our eyes that we may see wondrous things from your word. I ask you, God, to peel back the revelation, peel back, Lord, the windows and the layers, the covers, Lord, and let us see into things that angels only dream about, angels only think about, Lord, that you've given us the privilege to know, according to your word, the mysteries of the kingdom of God. So reveal those mysteries to us tonight. We put our faith together. We ask you to reign on us, Lord. Revelation, knowledge, wisdom, understanding so that we may operate in it and live victoriously in this present world. Thank you for it. Thank you that every demon is, is now bound. Every force that is coming against the word is now put to flight. The atmosphere is set for the word of God to flow freely. Have free course and be glorified among your people, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, take your seats tonight. All right. So we've been, we've been talking about shutting the door on um, all the evil that the devil tries to bring against God's people. 
evil of sickness and disease. Yes. That's evil. evil. Y'all know that. Yes, sir. Um, remember the parable, this just came to me here, the parable of the rich man of Lazarus. Yes, you remember that? The parable of rich man of Lazarus, the Bible says that the rich man fared sumptuously every day. He, you know, had the mansion. He, was, he had all the goods of life. And the Bible says that uh, Lazarus was laid daily at his gate. So this rich man had gates. He had a gated estate. Yes, sir. And, um, and uh, fared sumptuously, dressed nicely. And in the parable Jesus gives about that, which some actually believe wasn't actually a parable, that is a true story. Uh, because they say it's not a parable because actual names were given. Lazarus the rich man, or Abraham rather, that actual names, no other parable is a name given. Food for thought. But uh, in, this, in this story, can I just call it that in the story? Jesus tells this story. And as it goes, uh, the rich man died. And the Bible says he lifted up his eyes in hell. Y'all remember that? It's all right to say hell. It's not a cuss word. Hell. Say Hell. Say hell, hell. And then <laughs> Lazarus died. And when Lazarus died, he ended up in a place called Abraham's bosom. He's there with Abraham, right? And as you know, uh, the rich man from hell cries out and says, hey, uh, Abraham, please, can you send uh, Lazarus or someone, uh, just dip their fingers in some cool water, you know, and come and touch my tongue, cool me down, because this is torment. Hell is torment. Hell is not going to be in the place tonight. There's not going to be a party and a big reunion in hell. Okay? And Abraham says this. This is Jesus talking, saying, Abraham says this. He gives us a picture. He said, the, he said no rich man. He said, all your life you had good. He said, Lazarus had evil. So remember that in your lifetime, you receive good things and likewise Lazarus, evil things. So let's go back to the rich man's life. He's a rich man, live in a gated estate that Jesus calls good. <laughs> Having a big house is good. Driving nice, eating nice, wearing nice is good. Jesus said it's good. He said he had his good things. He says, but Lazarus likewise or received, we could say in his lifetime, evil things. So let's look at Lazarus's life. He was poor, hungry, barely making it. The Bible went so far as to say even the dogs licked the sores on Lazarus' body. And the, the religious churches say, oh, that's just God's taking care of Lazarus. No, that wasn't a, a compliment. That wasn't a good thing. To have a dog lick your sores uh, in the Jewish, in, to be a Jew and have a dog lick you was degrading. The church made, tried to make Lazarus' evil out to be some kind of good, but it wasn't good at all. Jesus called it evil. So to be sick is evil. To be poor, according to Jesus, come on now, y'all saying it, is evil. To be a beggar is evil. Now, you can argue with me, but you can't argue with Jesus. 
So we're not supposed to be experiencing evil. And, and you know, let me just let me just finish that out because the, the church tries to make us out to be Lazarus and say, you know, as long as you, you know, you're going to have a good life, you'll be like Lazarus. But God didn't try to make us like Lazarus. The problem with the rich man wasn't that he was rich. The problem with the rich man was that he wasn't generous. Jesus said this man had good things. <laughs> There's no problem being rich. If that was the case, Abraham should, shouldn't have been up there. Abraham should have been in hell with, with the rich man. Isaac should have been in hell with the rich man. Jacob should have been in hell with the rich man. David should have been in hell with the rich man. Solomon should have been in hell with the rich man. They weren't, were they? In other words, rich is good. Rich is good. Glory to God. And uh, evil is bad. Poor is evil. Being sick is evil. And yet the body of Christ has made being sick just part of our suffering for Jesus. Being poor and barely making it, that's what I'm just suffering for Jesus. You have to find one scripture that tells me to suffer for Jesus. Hmm? See, I'm talking about these. Remember, we're talking about breaking bad traditions. See, there's stuff that's been passed down in the church to make us uh, accept evil. As it was good. In fact, the Bible said that one day that they would call good evil and evil good. In the church, we've been calling good evil and evil good. We see somebody, they got it going on, you know, wealth-wise. We say, they, yeah, they, they probably sinning all day long, though. How you know they sinning because they got money? That's right. Psalm 112. Read Psalm 112. The righteous man. Wealth and riches were in his house, and his, his, his righteousness endures forever. Psalm 112, verse 3. Am I right? Am I, am I in the book? Amen. So we're, we're, we're uh, disconnecting ourselves from evil. That's what we're doing. We're disconnecting ourselves from evil. Well, how you going to do that? You can't avoid evil. Yes, I can. Well, everybody got to go through some stuff. No, we don't. See, that's tradition that's been taught. That's tradition that's been taught that you're in this world and you go through things and you know the Lord, just as long as you got King Jesus, everything going to be all right. That's not what the Bible tells you. If that was the case, why would Jesus tell us to pray, uh, deliver us from evil? Why would he himself pray in John 17? Keep them from evil. If we had to deal with evil, he would have just said, well, you know, Lord, just help him be happy. Just help him to have, you know, after all I've been through, I still have joy. After all the things I've been through, I still have joy. Well, good for you. Praise God. The joy of the Lord is your strength. But you got to ask, why do you keep going through things? Why, why do you keep going through things? What, what foolishness have you put yourself in? What well, everybody going to go through? No. no, no. 
Pastor, are you saying nothing negative or evil will ever come to my life? I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, is that you can set up a guard. Y'all remember Psalm 121? Put that Psalm 121 verse 7 and 8 on the screen. Remember that one? I thought this was pretty good Sunday. Psalm 121 verse 7 says, The Lord shall preserve you from some evil. No, you got to have a little bit now, Lamika. See, trials come to make you strong. How many of y'all ever heard that? How many of y'all ever heard trials come to make you strong? Now, let me ask you a question. Where does the trial come from? The evil one. So, is the devil trying to make you strong? So, why do we allow that tradition? See, what I'm doing right now, it may not be y'all. Y'all may have it, but somebody watching online, they're, they're hearing this, and I'm knocking over their sacred cows tonight. You wouldn't know, you wouldn't know how strong you was if you didn't go through nothing. You wouldn't know him to be a healer if you never got sick in your body. You would never know he was a provider unless you went broke. Well, no, the fact that the word says so doesn't let me know. I can't just take his word for it. And most of the church is sitting there in bondage to evil, stuck in evil cycles because they have listened to tradition and not listened to the word of God. And I'll get to the night here if you give me time. Tradition makes the word of God of no effect. All right, so Psalm 121 says, the Lord shall preserve you. That word preserve means what? Keep. keep. Very good, class. The Lord shall preserve you or keep you from all evil. He shall preserve your soul. Your soul. Your soul is a part that had all your emotions, all the stuff that make you get all wild and crazy. So he'll preserve. He'll keep your soul because he won't let the evil be bothering you. Then verse 8 says this. The Lord shall preserve your going out and your coming in from this time forth and even forevermore, from now on. Now on. From now on. now on. He'll preserve your going out and your coming in. Well, what's your going out and your coming in? Going out and coming in it, it's not, it doesn't mean you go outside and come back inside. It's not what going out and coming in. I mean, you could say it that way. But what going out, going out and coming in is literally a business term or a war term. The uh, kings would go out to war. And then they come in with spoils. They go out to war, and they come in with spoils. In business, you go out to do business. You go out, you generate something, and then you, something, uh, you, something comes in. Y'all catching that? So it says he'll preserve your going out and your coming in. Now, this is similar to Deuteronomy 28. Get Deuteronomy 28 right around verse 6 on the screen for me, please. Deuteronomy 28, right around verse 6. Notice, y'all you know this, this uh, psalm, not psalm, this scripture here, this promise? It says, blessed shall you be, help me out, when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. He's talking about here, not you when you go out to, out to eat. 
when you leave and go to school. That's not what he's talking about. I mean, you can, you can pray that and, oh, thank you, Lord, bless my going out, I'm coming in like that. He's talking about when you're going out there to produce. That whole, that whole you read Deuteronomy 28 from verse 1 down to 14, is all talking about what you're producing. Blessing the city, blessing the field. I'll bless the work of your hands. He's talking about you producing something, ladies and gentlemen. Glory to God. I wish I had somebody listening. So he says, blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. So when you go out and you go out to generate and produce something, I'm going to put a blessing on you. And he said, and then, then what, what you bring in is going to be blessed. You got it? You got it? Now help me out with this. Does, which comes first, uh, Deuteronomy or Psalm? Deuteronomy. So we, we could say then that the first order of business is to bless your going out and coming in. But then he said in Psalm 121, verse 8, then I'm going to preserve your going out and your coming in. In other words, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to keep it. Are you hearing me? So, so what that means is, listen, 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 this is very important. Y'all listening? Y'all listening? Everybody listening? That means that whatever you get or receive by the blessing, God will keep it. Whatever you use your faith to access, obtain, and acquire, God will keep it. But if you, you get it by your works, then you have to work to keep it. Y'all didn't shout enough. You didn't shout enough for me. God is not obligated to keep what you produce. He's only obligated to keep what he produces. And God's trying to get us out of trying to produce things on our own without faith and without the blessing. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, all these things shall be added. And when God adds it to you, he'll maintain it for you. He'll keep it. If God gives you something, you ain't got to worry about losing it. I said if God gives it to you, you ain't got to worry about losing it. If God does it, you ain't got to worry about nothing happening to it. If God blesses you with it, you ain't got to worry about the thief breaking in and stealing, rust corrupting, moth eating it. You ain't got to worry about that because God did it. And if God gives it to you, he's going to keep it. How you know, Pastor? Proverbs 10, The blessing of the Lord, it makes rich and he has no sorrow, no work, no toil with it. You don't have to toil to keep what God blessed. Y'all ain't shouting enough for me. You don't have to work hard to keep what God blessed you with. I wish I could, I wish I could explain to you just how God has been keeping my family. But I can't explain to you. Because I can't explain how I even got it. I can't explain how God even did it. So if I can't explain how he did it, I ain't got to be able to explain how he keep it. All I know is he keep on doing great things for me. He just keep on, keep on, keeping on, blessing me and keeping me. He's a keeper. Yes, he is. In 
the book of Numbers, chapter 6, Numbers 624, when Moses is, receives instruction from God on how to bless the people, in Numbers 26, verse 24, the prayer is, may the Lord bless and keep you. Notice that order. Bless you and keep you. So whatever God blesses, he keeps. If God, if God bless you with the house, he's going to keep it. <laughs> if he bless you with the car, he's going to keep it. If he bless you with the spouse, he's going to keep it together. If he bless you with the business, he's going to keep it together. There's no struggle. There's no toil. There's no sweat with it because he brought it. Are you hearing me? That's why you want to only go after what God is doing, only after, only after what God is blessing. In other words, watch this. Don't ask God to bless what you're doing. Ask God, Lord, help me do what you're blessing. You better, you better catch that. Don't ask God to bless what you're doing. Say, God, help me do what you're blessing. Let me do what you put the blessing on. Let me hear your voice, your instruction, and follow your perfect plan and your will because I know if you give it to me, you're going to keep it. I got it. All right, now, let's run on here. So we've been talking about the fact that God's people are still uh, often struggling and stuck and suffering because they're unwilling to abandon bad habits. Remember we preached on that. Bad habits, bad associations, and bad traditions. Hallelujah. We looked at this scripture here. That was our focus scripture, 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 33, which said, do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. So you're around the wrong company, you're going to have bad habits. And we, we, I said this to you, remember, that you are a composite of your habits. Your life is a composite. You're where you are now, who you are now is a composite of your habits. And so if you want to change your life, you have to change your habits. Okay? And we're doing that. I remember I gave you homework Sunday. Your homework Sunday was to go home and spend the next three days considering, asking, assessing what habits do I need to break? If I look at my life where I am now, rather than blaming the white man or rather than blaming my mama, I got to look at what are my habits? What, what am I doing that's contributing? Y'all don't like this. What am I doing that's contributing to my current affairs? Because I, I, don't, and I don't need to get down on myself about it. I just got to recognize it, all right, and I'm going to change it. Because, because if, you can, if you can build a habit, you can break a habit. It's a simple because it takes as long to build one as it does to break one. You got it. And then I had you looking at your your uh, your bad associations, considering who I need to cut off, or who do I need to uh, separate from, set a guard or limit. Amen. Who do I need to just be to to, to inter intercess? to intercede for as opposed to interact with. <laughs> you, 
You may not be able to interact with everybody, but you just have to intercede. Glory to God. The Bible says, I would that prayer and intercession be made for all men. It say interaction. All right. Glory to God. And then we began Sunday talking about bad traditions. Because again, I want to just reiterate this, that most people in the body of Christ are still suffering and struggling, not because God doesn't care, not because God's not with them, not because God doesn't work, not because faith doesn't work, but because they are not willing to break either their bad habits or their bad associations or their bad traditions. What do you mean? Okay, you can have people in the body of Christ who they love God with everything on the inside of them. Y'all know anybody like that? I mean, they just love Jesus. So they don't have many bad habits that are uh, overt. I mean, you don't, you, don't, you don't know about their bad habits. Now, they might have some, but you just, it, they look to be, you know, saved, sanctified, Holy Ghost, filled, fire, baptized, running for their life, Mother Teresa kind of people. This, right? They don't have any bad associations because they just go to church at home, church, home, church, home. They don't, they don't have bad associations as far as we know. It's just, they're all, always around the church folk. But you don't realize that some of the church folk are bad associations. Because you could be in church and not be in a household of faith. Come on now, talk to me. You can be in a church and not be around people of like precious faith. Your Bible said, Paul said, not all men have faith. You can be saved but not have anything beyond born again faith. You understand? You understand born again faith? The Bible says in Romans 12, 3, that God gave every one of us the measure of faith. So that's just born again faith. That's enough faith to get, get saved. Praise God, I'm going to heaven. Thank you, Lord. But they don't have faith to overcome anything. But then one thing that, that I, you know, because I grew up in a, in, a, in a traditional church, is you can have bad traditions. Love God with all your heart. And just have bad traditions, things that you have been taught. Some of those things I was sharing in the beginning tonight that keep you trapped in uh, round and round and round sickness, round and round and round poverty, round and round and round drama, round and round and round confusion. Just, just stuck in it. Glory to God. As long as I got King Jesus, I don't need nobody else. Glory to God. Just bad traditions. And when I, tonight when I'm talking about traditions, I'm not talking about having to wear white on first Sunday. That's not what I'm talking about. None of y'all know about that. None of, y'all, none of y'all know about that. Having to wear white, having to wear gloves. A little doily on the head. Y'all don't know about that. See, y'all come to church like this and say, ooh, I'm glad to be in this church because they don't have no traditions. Y'all, some, sometimes y'all come here with traditions. We don't realize how many traditions we have carried on and carried over that we got to shed. You understand? So, whether you wear white on first Sunday or polka dot on first Sunday has nothing to do with your wealth and your health and your prosperity and your righteousness and your drama and all that kind of stuff. Because you can wear white on Sunday and, and, and 
being at the, at the thousand women in white service and the hundred men in black service and being all these service and Alabama Day and Georgia Day and being all these duels day and pastor's anniversary and church and all that you can do all this stuff and be just in church seven, eight days a week if you want to and still be broke and sick and full of drama. Am I right about this? You can still eight days a week be in church. You squeeze in an extra day being in church and still sick because tradition would tell you that sickness is, um, is God's going to get the glory out of your sickness. Come on now, help me out. This sickness is not unto death but for the glory of God. Right? But for the glory of God. So people have read that scripture and it's been taught that when you go through sickness, God is getting the glory. That's not what Jesus meant. He didn't mean he gets glory out of seeing you dying of cancer and seeing you can't hardly breathe. <coughs> that ain't, that ain't going to get him glory. That's evil. Well, look at Job. Look how Job went through. Well, why did Job go through? Y'all know it because y'all been taught. Fear. Job 3.25, the thing I feared the most came upon me. That which I have dreaded has happened to me. So fear, not God, brought something on him. The Bible clearly said that Satan is the one that did these things to, to Job. Not God. Well, God put him up to it. No, God didn't. God simply asked Job, what you been doing? God said, oh, you've been over there looking at Job, haven't you? See, but they teach it as in God said, hey, have you thought about trying Job? That's not what God was saying. God was saying, oh, you thought about trying Job, haven't you? The Bible says Job feared God, reverenced God, shunned all evil. Serve God. Why would God set his own man up like that? The problem is you don't yet really know, understand the nature of God. See, and tradition has made people accept sickness and disease and problems like that as a part of your Christian experience. You ain't a real Christian until you've been tried in the fire. Come for this pure gold. You got to go through the fire like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Because they said, if the Lord, he, they said he's able to deliver us. Then they said, but if he don't, we still going to bow. Won't bow to your, to your idol. That's not what they said. Go back and read exactly what they said. They didn't say, if he don't deliver us. They said, if you don't throw us in, we still won't bow. But because we've been taught wrong, that those traditions have been passed from generation to generation to generation to generation. We've made money the root of all evil. Because... You know the Bible say don't you don't want none of that filthy lucre. <laughs> filthy lucre. What? They, 
and the Bible says filthy lucre, King James, but it's talking about pastors not, not uh, going after money. It wasn't the, the lucre that was filthy. It was what how, is their motivation to get the money that made it filthy. But now, so we make, make it a, just a general doctrine that all lucre is filthy, but yet you go work 40 hours a week for it. You carry that filthy lucre around in your purse, stuff a little bit up in him, and nobody see that look. You know what I feel the Luca down tucked away? Look down here. Thought it was filthy, sis. So it's not filthy? What's filthy is your motivation, your mind. You're going after for the wrong reason. Begin peddling the gospel. Oh, now you've made it filthy. Not because it's filthy, but because you're filthy. See, but we hear these scriptures. Think about it. Think about how many funerals you go to, and the number one scripture read in a funeral is Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. They got to sound deep and wonderful. He maketh me. They can't read it in the NIV. They read in the King James. He maketh me to lie down in the green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. Yea, though I walk through the path. That scripture doesn't do with death. That is a scripture about restoration, about God's provision, about God's supernatural supply. But tradition. We bring up Job 14, 6. Man born of a woman, but a few days and they're full, full of trouble. So as Christians, we born of a woman, you're going to have just a few days on this old planet. They're going to be full of trouble. Well, who said that? Job. What's in the Bible? Everything in the Bible is not true. Did you hear what I said? Everything in the Bible is not true. If God said it, yeah, it was true. But what Job said right there wasn't true. That's how Job felt. That wasn't true, but that's how he felt. Move. Bam! Kicking your sacred cows right over. Now, y'all be careful how y'all take what I just said when I say everything in the Bible is not true. I'm not talking about you now going and saying, well, the Bible contradicting itself. No, that's not what I'm talking about. But when you see something that a, that a man said out of his feeling, they're, they're, they're in a conversation. He wasn't spirit inspired to say that. He's speaking out of how, what he's going through. Not to do the same thing, fool. Don't do what he did. 
though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Well, God didn't slay him. All of my point of time, I'm going to wait until my change come. Your change should have come a long time ago. You sitting there blaming God for what you're going through, Job. Then the silly friends come and, they, and they're trying to help. The, the, the friends said more true things than Job did. They said, Job, if, if you obey and serve him, you'll spend your days in prosperity and your years in pleasure. They said, that's true. Oh, y'all hear me tonight? Y'all hear me? Y'all, y'all hear me? You, 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 got, you, we, you and I got to go and get in the word and see what the word actually says. And don't hold on to traditions that have kept us stuck. Oh, don't, don't even bring it. The race isn't given to the swift, nor to the strong, but to the one that holds out and endures to the end. Lord, I'm just going to hold out. That ain't what the Bible said. No, what it said was the race is not to the swift, nor, nor, the, nor the battle to the strong, but time and chance happen to them all. In other words, God gives everybody an opportunity. Read it for yourself. Stop going by gospel songs. We think gospel songs are the gospel. Gospel songs ain't the gospel. We, we're, we're singing tradition. And making tradition the gospel, making it truth. Making it doctrine. And it's not. Oh man, can y'all handle this tonight? Ephesians 4.27, put it on the screen for me please, Ephesians 4.27. I want you to see what it says here. This is good. It says, nor give place to the devil. Paul says, don't give place, don't give room to the devil. And when we sing these songs, when we make these erroneous, heretical confessions, when we pass along these traditions, we are giving place to the devil. That's how Job got in trouble. He gave place to the devil. That's why. You read about Job's fear before God said, you, you checked out Job, haven't you? Follow the sequence of the story. Job chapter 1. So when you give place to the devil, you've just opened a door. You've given him an opportunity now to come, wake up, y'all, to come into your house. He's, he's going to come in your house. He's going to come in your life. He'll, he'll come in wherever you allow him to come in. However you allow him to come in, and you allow him to come in with your words. Give me this same verse uh, in the, in the easy-to-read version. Watch this in the easy read verse. I want y'all to read it with me. Ready? Read. Don't give the devil a way to defeat you. <laughs> so he can't defeat you unless you give him a way to defeat you. The devil's on my track trying to turn me back. How'd he get on your track? When he's supposed to be, he's supposed to be under your feet. We used to sing that in the church. Satan's on my track, 
trying to turn me back. Say that. And that's like, I mean, we can say that for four to five minutes with just same beat, same, same tune. <laughs> I mean, jam, boy, you get a tambourine, bass drum, a cymbal, washboard, and a wood flow. Somebody know about that. So don't give the devil a way to defeat you. Don't give him any room. Guard, set a guard over your mouth. If you don't know what the word says, shut up. Until you find out what the word says. You're shooting off at the mouth and opening the door. Come on in here, devil. Come on in. Come on in, devil. you Lord remember I talked Sunday about, Gen- about uh, in Genesis 12 about Abram because I told you that in order to break evil cycles you must be willing to break away from whatever's familiar because familiarity is the enemy of greatness familiarity I hope you really meditated and gave thought to that familiarity is the enemy of greatness and many times people can't become great because they're stuck in what's familiar what's familiar is what's comfortable and if you are not willing to break out of what's uh, comfortable into what may become, what, what may be temporarily uncomfortable. You, you hear me? It, it, when God takes you somewhere, uh, moves you, it'll, it'll be temporarily uncomfortable. It won't always be uncomfortable. It'll be temporarily uncomfortable. Until now you acclimate yourself to, to the new place. Right? You ever walk into a room and a room was it was ice cold, yes. freezing, yes. like like not not like it is in here. It's, it's hot in here. You ever walked in and it was ice cold, yes. and you just, you just or or you, you ever gone swimming, jumped in a pool, and the water's cold. Oh my God! And it's cold and, and it feels like that until your body gets acclimated to the water. You're like, come on, all right. And then you get out of the pool and now you you're freezing out the water like. Until you adjust. So the Bible talks about that sometimes you have to go through a season of heaviness. There's a season, there's a time of heaviness, there's a time of, 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 of a, a discomfort. But that's, that's just to squeeze you through to the next level or dimension of your life. And you have to leave what's familiar. So I want you to imagine how uncomfortable it was for Abram to leave country, uh, family, and father's house in Genesis 12, verse 1. All at one time. He'd just leave everything. And you know, he, at first he didn't do it, if you remember the story. Because that instruction came in Genesis 11, but he was stuck. And almost, almost he would have died with his dad and his brother. He would have died back in Iran. But God had said to him, get out and go, okay? So we talked about how you got to leave your culture, your way of thinking, your feeling, feeling and behaving, okay? Now, tradition, remember this word. 
It's an inherited, established, or customary pattern of thought, action, or behavior. A long-established custom or belief that has been passed from one generation to another. <laughs> Glory to God. I grew up in church. I mean, I'm 47. I've been in church 47 years. Well, I'll be 48 in a couple months. I've actually been in church now about almost 49 years because in my mother's womb, I was in church. <laughs> so there are things that have been passed from one generation to another. And as we mentioned in theology, it's a doctrine that's believed to have divine authority, though not in the scriptures. It's not actually in there. Have you ever heard anything that's not actually in there? And people say, well, you know, the good book says. The good book. Well, it ain't the Bible. The Bible didn't say that. The good book might have said, I'm not sure what your good book is. You know how the man upstairs said. I don't even know the man upstairs. Now, there is a man upstairs. Right? Right? Jesus, the Bible called him, uh, said we have one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. So he is actually the man upstairs. Glory to God. We're the men downstairs. All right. So our main text in 1 Peter 1, again, says that we were redeemed from aimless conduct received by tradition from our fathers. Is this teaching okay for y'all tonight? We're redeemed with, not with corruptible things like silver or gold, but verse 19 says with the precious blood of Christ, but we're redeemed from aimless conduct received by tradition from our fathers. Now again, that word aimless means without purpose, or direction, it means circular or cyclical. So to have no aim, it's, no, it's without purpose. So he says there's conduct, there's a way of living that you have, that you can have that serves no purpose and has no direction because it's a circular lifestyle. Cyclical, which means every, you, every year you're in the same situation. Every three years, I don't know how I end up right back in the same spot. <laughs> Glory to God. Why do you end up that way? It says because you receive tra uh, tradition from your people. You receive tradition from the time you're born. <clears throat> you're trained up in it. From your father's. Natural fathers, spiritual fathers, your elders in your family, your elders in your church, those that are over you, elders in your community, you receive these traditions. And the reason you do things and end up in a circular or cyclical lifestyle is because in your mind, this may not be you, I'm talking about people who go through this, is, well, this is the way we've always done it. I 
I remember when this church first got started years ago, and uh, when we first, uh, we had, we had to first come over here. I don't know when it was, but we were going to be doing communion. And uh, we, we had to find out, you know, we didn't have, a, you know, the communion, they do, really do communion. The church I grew up in, you know, they have a table, and the mothers have the sheet. You can't, you can't see what's going on back here. Y'all know what I'm talking about? The mothers, they, they had that whole military full thing. And they hold that sheet, and they be back, they back there working, boy. And you don't know what, what they doing back there. What they, you don't, you don't know, know if they spiking nothing. You don't know what they doing. They just, you don't know if they stretching the juice with a little water. We was a little low today or something. I don't know. But you can't see what they're doing. But we, we, we didn't know why the sheet. And I think we had to finally uh, investigate why the sheet. So, so we, found, we investigated and found out why they use the sheet. And there is no reason today why they use the sheet. It's just tradition. Because we found out the reason for the sheet in the beginning was because they did a communion in the, in the country places. There's no air condition and there were flies everywhere. So they, were, they put a sheet over the communion to keep the flies out. Well, if you sit up here in an air-conditioned sanctuary, ain't no flies. But we still... That's tradition. And they get pop it, they pop that thing, you know. Why, why do we do it? Just tradition. How many things do you do is just tradition? Why do you do black eyed peas on New Year's? That's the way, don't mess with that. Don't mess with that, Pastor. Don't mess with that. Don't mess with black eyed peas on New Year's now. I like black eyed peas on New Year's now. Come on now. Why? Well, you go back and find out. Oh, because you know that's supposed to bring you good luck for the year. Oh, so now you're getting your good luck from black eyed peas. From peas. You mean peas gonna give you luck? I remember my, my dad. My dad, when he used to preach, he used to talk about people carrying around little rabbit's foot for good luck. He used to say that rabbit wasn't too lucky, was he? They just be carrying around little rabbit's feet in their pocket. How you carrying a rabbit foot keychain? But people do things out of tradition without understanding because, hey, that's just, I learned this from my dad, my grandma, grandma and Uncle you know, P. Heffy and all those people like that. We just, we just pass this stuff on. I don't know why we do it. I don't know why, why we do it that way. Just the way we've always done it. And now, those things aren't necessarily things that affect your sickness and disease, prosperity, and all those kind of things, but there are other things. Where is just tradition? My family goes on vacation every year. Yeah, but you can't afford it. I'm going to come over here. Yeah, but, but you can't afford it. You, you owe everybody in town. How are you going on vacation every year? It's just tradition. We have to do it. We got family reunion every year. Amen. 
You, but you owe everybody. How you, how you, how you doing that? You got Am, to do Amscot to go on vacation. That's just like, something wrong with that. That's evil. You skipping a car payment so you can go and go on that vacation. I'll I, I get y'all when I get back. I'll get y'all when I get back. Because it's tradition. That's just, that's just what... Now, hey, I'm not against vacation. Trust me, I'm not against vacation. I'm talking about not letting tradition keep sinking your financial ship. I'm finna mess with some of the Oglesby. Every, we gotta roast us a hog. They said, they said, leave that alone. They said, leave that alone. And that, that hog on that spit, boy, we see that thing first thing in the morning, we're going to pull all that skin off that hog while it's hot and fresh. And the rest of the day, his head's all pounding. Can't even see, Lord, have mercy. But why you keep doing it? Because it's tradition. It's not, we've always done it. Now, it's good. I ain't going to tell you no lie. That's, it's good. That's good. That's some good eating. You ain't never had crackling till you have it right off the pig. <laughs> but what, what happens, most of the bad traditions, I'm talking about bad traditions. Bad traditions keep people locked in a circle, keep people locked in a cycle of repeating the same mistakes and getting the same results over and over and over again, and then their children go through the same cycles and get stuck in the same cycle, repeating the same things over and over and again, and generation after generation after generation, and it gets worse and worse and worse and worse. Why? Just because? Why you do that? Just because. Meaning nobody in the family got married? Nobody get married in the family? Nobody in the family is married. Wow, well, you know, hard, good man, hard to find. Who told you that? Well, my auntie, I had a lot of respect for my auntie. She was my, my favorite, you know, a good man hard to find. Maybe for her. Maybe the problem wasn't a good man. Maybe the problem was your auntie. But she made it a good man hard to find. Now all the family is just good man hard to find. You can't, ain't nobody getting married. Praise the Lord. Deuteronomy 2, verse 3. Here's what the Lord said to Moses and the people. He said, you have skirted this mountain long enough. Turn northward. You read some translations, it'll say, you have wandered out here aimlessly long enough. Turn northward. 
You've wandered out here with no direction. No purpose. Turn northward. So the moment he said turn northward, he's giving them direction and now a destination. Because left to themselves, they would have wandered around. I don't see that same tree now 35 times. Here we go around the mulberry bush again and again and again. Same bush over and over over again. Why? Because nobody stops and says, wait a minute, what are we doing? What are we doing? When, when are we, you know what, let's have a family meeting. You know, let's have a family meeting. We got to find out why in our family we keep going through this mess. Calling all the sisters, all the brothers, all the cousins, all the auntie them, and all the uncle them, and all the other little people. Come on, let's talk and find out why we keep ending up in the same mess. And this seems to be, we call it a generational curse. We call it a family curse. It ain't that. It's family stupid. I'm going to come back over here. It's just family stupid that you keep doing the same thing over and over and over and over again. Generation to generation. All the boys go to prison. Everybody get evicted. Y'all getting tight on me right now. Y'all getting tight. We go and shut it down. We go and shut it down and go eat. Give me that same verse in the message Bible, please. The message translation. The message translation says this. Then God said, you've been going around in circles in these hills long enough. Going around in circles in these here hills long enough. Go north. In other words, God said, dog, I'm tired of watching y'all. God, you should be tired by now. God said, I'm tired of watching y'all going in the same circle, Lord. Mercy, Lord. Y'all should have been in the promised land years ago. My goodness. Well, y'all stop. God said, y'all are making me dizzy looking at y'all going, oh, oh my gosh. You're going to do this again. You're going to date that same kind of guy again. You're going to find that same kind of girl again. You're going you're gonna to buy that same kind of car again. Oh, my God. You're going to make your own decision again. You're going around and around in circles again. You're going to get all in your feelings again. All in your feelings. You're going to get about a piece of your mind again. Oh, my God. You know what this does to you. Will you please turn and go northward? Please have some kind of direction. Head to the destination I already set for you. And stop having this revolving lifestyle. You're going to get the flu again? God, Lee, you're going to get the flu again? 
I better come back over here. You're going to get the flu again? What a flu going around. Let it go around you this time. Just let it go around you. Don't just, just, just. That's just that you had a, woo-hoo. Sidestep that thing sometime, man. Used to play football, Glenn. Just joke it, man. Just pull it off. Come on now, you just. <laughs> what you gonna go broke again? Oh, Every year in May, you broke again. Every May, you broke again. I ran out again. I promise you, good measure pressed down, shaking together, running over. How come you keep running out? It's supposed to be running over. How are you running out? I've had enough of it. Well, well, God, you know, you know, you know, I, I, I deserve. I, you know, I saw something. I just felt like I deserved it. Don't go on it again. Would you let me give it to you? Would you just let me do it for you? Would you stop spending your money on what does not satisfy? Would you stop buying with going up and spend all your money on what's not really bread? Would you please come and let and just delight your soul in abundance? That's Isaiah 55. You read Isaiah 55, start at verse 1. Why you keep spending your bread on what doesn't even satisfy you? You just buying it because you just felt like it was because it was on sale. Yeah, don't, don't, don't buy stuff because it's on clearance. You, ain't, you don't even like that. Now you broke again. Seek me first and all my righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Isaiah 119, the living Bible, if you just let me help you, I'll make you rich. Let me help you. Stop, don't do that. You know, when, when you're, when you're I, I've learned, I learned this. You know, when you start trying to make, you know, dietary changes. What you do is, is the, the, what you're really supposed to do is really is purge and then start over and assess every little thing. When somebody's a diabetic, they, okay, you eat something and you check, okay, how did that affect me? How did my body react to that food? And you see, you have to identify them one by one. How did that food affect me? How, how, do I, how did I react? When I ate rice, how did that affect me? How, when I ate that biscuit, how did that affect me? When I had that sweet tea, I know, I'm just saying. But you're supposed to evaluate how does that affect you? When I ate, when I ate one apple, how did that affect me? When I ate two apples, how did that affect me? Because there's, you know, there's sugar in that too. When I ate, 
you know, a lot of fruit juice. How did that, you know, oh, you follow what I'm saying to you? And the whole point is, is when you evaluate and see, okay, that adversely affect me, okay, I don't do that anymore. You hear what I said? And when I find out how that adversely affects me, I stop doing that. So it's got to be the same thing with our finances, the same thing with our health, the same thing with our marriages, the same thing with our children. I've got to start looking at, okay, when I did that, okay, here's, here's what happened with that. When I came out my mouth that way, she had this reaction. Okay, I'm not going to come out my mouth that way no more. <laughs> I had one time to reiterate something to my wife. I will never reiterate anything to my wife again. I learned she don't like when I reiterate stuff to her. I might be able to remind her, but do not reiterate. Her cayenne pepper spike just pew, like that. I was like, okay, no, I'm be back down off that. Right Are you following what I'm saying? But if you, if you. If you uh, don't take this wrong, I'm, not, I'm talking about the people watching online. If you stupid, then you, you will, you will do, keep doing the same things over and over again. You, you might be stupid then. If you, if you can keep doing the same thing over again and the same thing can happen, you might just be stupid. One more time, you might just be stupid. You might have to say, you know what, Lord, I can't trust myself. Lord, I can't trust myself. I need some help. Tired of being sick, tired of being broke, tired of being in drama, tired of fighting with my wife, tired of fighting with the children, tired of, tired of all that. Okay, I can't trust myself. Lord, set a watch over my mouth. Teach me how to profit. Lead me in the way I should go. Man, oh man, oh man, oh man, oh man. All right. So they're, they're going around and around and around in circles. Back in Deuteronomy 2, verse 3, they're going around and around in circles. <clears throat> and God says, turn and go northward. Because here's a little, here it is. Satan wants nothing more than to keep you and me Going around in circles. He don't mind you coming to church. You coming to church tonight doesn't bother Satan. You can come on Sunday and put on your prettiest hat, your prettiest shoes, fanciest tie, put on some thick old stockings. Dress down to your ankles. You know that? Satan is not bothered by that. You can praise God to you. You, are, you sweat out your suit. You sweat out your dress. You're sticky. As long as you leave here and go back to the same habits and the same associations and the same traditions, he's just fine with that. You don't care? You don't care nothing about that? He'll help you. Help you pick out something real pretty. Help you buy something real pretty that you can't even afford. Help you so you can look good when you come in here and praise yourself some Jesus. As long as you go back to the same habits, associations, and traditions. 
Now, go back to 1 Peter 1, 18. Let me just try to wrap this up here. I'm not anywhere near finished, but let me just try to take a time here, wrap this up. 1 Peter 1, 18 says, again, the aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers. So, received from your fathers. Your elders, those who are over you, those in authority, those who have spoken into your life. Now, we know this is how it works because uh, Proverbs uh, 22 and 6, y'all know that one? Say it. Train up a child in the way he should go. Come on. And when he is old, he, he will go and then come back. He will what? He will not depart from it. So any, whatever a child has been trained in, they will not leave. Whatever a child has been trained in, they will not leave. So if you train them in bad traditions, bad habits, they will not leave them. Parents, you, under, you hear that? You understand that? This goes beyond parenting, but I'm talking about parents here. Uh, how have you trained them? That's how they're going to they're gonna operate. They're going to follow your lead. They're going to follow, follow you. You're their, you're their model. You're the greatest teacher. However you train them, they won't depart from it. If you train them up rightly, they won't depart from it. Well, they might get out there and get crazy. No, that's not what the Bible said. That's, that's, what, that's what you're trying to make the Bible say. You're trying to make the Bible say that. Well, I, did, I trained my kids right. They got all out there. You didn't train them right. You didn't train them right. Don't, don't shot me down because I'm preaching good. You didn't train them right. You might have taught them and told them some things, but you didn't train them right. Because the Bible is true. I don't care what your kids and what you went through, the Bible's still true. And I'm going to believe the Bible over you. And he said, if you train them up in the way they should go, they will not depart from it. Will not depart from it. Not will leave and then come back. It says, no, will not depart. Period. Point blank. Got it? Now, don't be condemned. If you had some kids went astray and they all that kind of stuff like that, you intercede. <laughs> you just keep on interceding and trust God to bring them in. He'll do it too. But I want you to notice here, it says that you train them up in the way that they should go, they will not depart from it. Again, you receive tradition from your fathers. So those who are over you pass on tradition. They pass on, they, they pass on uh, a customary pattern of thought, action, or behavior. They passed on customs or belief. They pass on even doctrines that are not even in Scripture. And they get trained in it. So many of us were trained in bad tradition. I was trained in bad tradition. Now, not that my parents had any ill intent or the people in my church had any, any ill intent. They all meant well, but because they had been trained in bad tradition, had been trained outside the scriptures, and they were repeating what they had been taught, that's what they passed on. Right. 
Glory to God. I'll say this at the risk of, of um, it getting out, but y'all just keep this between us. There are many in my own blood family who still operate under bad tradition. Most in my, my blood family still operate under bad tradition. Now y'all don't tell them I, I told y'all. <laughs> Most of them still operate under bad tradition. And so sickness or struggle and all those things are just part of life. Just suffering for Jesus. Nowhere did the Bible tell you to suffer for Jesus. The Bible says if we suffer with him, we'll reign with him. Well, I'm suffering with him. Well, how did he suffer? He was sick. Never got sick. He was broke. He never got broke. Never, that's not never how he suffered. He suffered persecution. He suffered isolation. For righteousness sake. That's your suffering. Not going through hard times. Suffer with him. Suffer what, how he suffered. <laughs> and the Lord is my light and my salvation. All right. So when a child or when a person, you and I, have been trained in bad tradition, we have to be redeemed from aimless conduct. Isn't that what it said in 18? You and I were redeemed from it. In other words, we can't, we can't get ourselves out of it. Because we were trained in it. We have to be redeemed from it. God has to buy us back from it. A price has to be paid to get us out of it. So he paid the price through his son Jesus Christ to get us out of bad traditions. So then all we got to do now is listen to his word and be transformed now by the renewing or by the renovation of our minds. To renovate means that many times uh, you re renovate does not redecorate. To redecorate, you just change pictures here and change flowers here. But to renovate, sometimes you got to take things down to the studs. And many of us, to get our lives back on the right uh, track, God has to take us down, back down to the studs. Let's break out all that bad stuff that you got. You got all kind of asbestos and you got all kind of stuff in there. I got to get all that stuff out of your life. I got, I got to brainwash you from all that foolishness. Come on now, don't get mad at that. I got to brainwash you from all that bad tradition. So now I can now renovate or put in the good tradition. You know there are good traditions, right? I say, you know there are good traditions, right? Let, let me give you a couple of this. Watch this. I want to read this to you here. Glory to God. Man, I'm out of time. Man, I, I don't want to skip what I... Go, go, turn, turn to Matthew. Turn to Matthew. Y'all got... I, I got three minutes. Matthew. Lord have mercy. Matthew 15. Glory to God. Why don't you see what Jesus said here? Matthew 15 and verse, oh, where am I looking at here? Verse uh, 5, let me start there. No, verse, verse 4. In the story, the, people, the, the disciples were eating uh, bread or food without washing their hands. They were transgressing the tradition of their fathers. Okay? Look at verse 4. 
uh, God commanded saying, honor your father and your mother. So in other words, can I just read it? Let me just go back and read it. Uh, I ain't going to try to hurry. I can finish this on Sunday, can't I? All right, 15, verse 1. Then the scribes and Pharisees who were from Jerusalem came to Jesus saying, Why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. In other words, the, 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 these uh, Pharisees, Pharisees were saying, What's your problem? Why did Jesus Christ respond? He says, What's your problem? Watch, because in verse five, 3 he says, why do you also transgress the commandment of God? Because of your tradition. They're asking him, what's your problem? He's come back and said, what's your problem? <laughs> Jesus wasn't nothing to play with now. Verse 4, for God commanded, saying, God commanded, God commanded, saying, honor your father and your mother, and he who curses his, curses his father and mother, let him be put to death. So notice his first command. He says, God commanded, saying, Honor your father and your mother. Y'all got that? Don't forget that. Y'all hear me? Everybody. He says, he commanded saying, honor your father and your mother. Verse 5, but you say, notice God commanded something, but then, but you say, whoever says to his father and mother, whatever profit you might have received from me is a gift to God. I ain't giving you nothing. I'm giving, I'm, this is a gift to God. Consider it as a gift to bump you. He said, but that's what you say. He's, he's saying this is your tradition. God's commanded something, but you have your tradition. Now you've passed. Verse 6, then he need not honor his father and, or mother. Thus you have made the commandment of God of no effect by your tradition. Now what was the commandment of God? Now you remember Ephesians 6 verse 1? talks about uh, honor your father, uh, Ephesians 6 and ver verse, get, put on the screen. Children, obey your parents and Lord, for this is right. Verse, verse 2, verse 2, glory to God, I need you like, okay. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with promise. Now, this is important you get this here. Because he said your tradition makes the word of God of no effect. What is he saying? Is he saying you take away the power of the word? No. He's saying you have nullified the words up, um, what the word is supposed to produce in your life. Anytime I give a command, it's supposed to produce something in your life. I don't give you a command just to, to, to bother you or to trap you or to hurt you. My commands come with promises. He says this is the first commandment with promise. Verse, verse 3 goes on to say this, that it may be well with you and that you may, you may live long on the earth. So this commandment has a promise attached to it that it will be well with you. You will prosper and you will live long on the earth. Prosperity and health is a, is a, is a byproduct, y'all. But hear me, young people. Prosperity and health is a byproduct of honoring your mother and your father. The moment you get into dishonoring your mother and your father, you have cut off your prosperity and cut off your well-being. This is not a feel-good commandment. It's a commandment that's meant to produce prosperity and health in your life. Long life. He says, but the problem is, but your traditions have now cut off the effectiveness of that command. That's what that means. Your traditions make the word of God of no effect. He didn't mean you 
you, know, you kill the Bible. He's talking about this command is supposed to produce something in you. Any command God gives has a promise attached to it. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Isaiah 55 and 11 says, My word shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please and prosper in the thing for which I sent it. My word shall not return void. So anytime God gives a word or a command, there's something it's supposed to accomplish and there's something it's supposed to prosper in. Glory to God. So there's a promise attached to it. All right. Let me read a couple more scriptures to you, and I'll, I'll just, I'm going to go ahead and finish this here. Colossians 2, verse 8. Evil tradition will cheat you out of the goodness of God. Evil tradition cheats you out of the goodness of God. How many of y'all know God is good? Yes. We say it in every church. God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. But tradition keeps him from demonstrating his goodness. Says, beware lest anyone cheat you. Put that back on the screen, uh, the, the scripture for me, please, please. Glory to God. Colossians. Thank you, Lord. Y'all got it? Probably got stuck there. Colossians 2, verse 8. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the what? According to the basic principles of the world and not according to Christ. So when you let tradition come in, it'll cheat you. That word cheat literally means to spoil or to plunder. It lets the devil take what belongs to you. All right. 1 Corinthians 11, 1 through 3. Because I want you to know that, that there are good traditions. What I say? Good traditions shift you into a cycle of blessings. Good traditions shift you into a cycle of blessings. Now watch this. This is Paul talking. Read it with me. Ready? Read. Imitate me. Y'all tired, boy. Y'all sound so tired. Ready? Read it again. Verse 1. Go. All right, so he's saying, imitate me. So that's something I'm going to demonstrate for you to imitate. I'm going to do something, and when you imitate, you are now creating a good tradition. Verse 2. Now I praise you, brother. Come on. And just. So Paul said, I'm giving you some new traditions. He says, keep those traditions. Just as I delivered them to you. Verse, verse 3, please. Verse 3. But I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ. The head of the, of the woman is man. And the head of Christ is God. I gave you that for context's sake. Okay. So there are good traditions. He says, keep those good traditions. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. So whatever you see me do, he says, do that. You're creating new good traditions. Got it? Last one. Whew. 1 Thessalonians 2, rather 2 Thessalonians 2 and verse 15. Are you ready? Let's read this like an army tonight. Ready? Read. Therefore, brethren, 
Stand fast and hold. Whether in other words, whether I taught it to you verbally or I wrote it and you read it, keep or hold fast these traditions that you've been taught. So there are good traditions. So the word tradition isn't a, isn't a taboo or bad word. It's the evil traditions that you don't want. Things that keep you in a mess. So where do I get good traditions from? When I'm taught the good word of God. As it's written. As God means it. Not as some theologian with his doctorate degree and a collar messed it up. But as God meant what he said. And he means what he said. So you want to now establish good traditions. Glory to God. Well, why you go to church? Well, they, they, they go to church as out of tradition. That's a good tradition. That's a good tradition to go to church. We should keep that tradition, going to church. Well, they just going just out of tradition. So what? That's a good start. It's a good start. <laughs> Glory to God. Praying all the time. When you pray, when you fast, when you give. Those are good traditions. Well, now people teaching you ain't got to do all that. It don't take all that. Well, then you know what? Let me know how it's working out for you. If you're not going to pray, you're not going to fast, you're not going to give, let me know how it works out for you. Matter of fact, let's set an appointment. Let's meet in five years. Let's meet. Put on a calendar. I'm going to meet you in five years. Let's check out your life and check out my life in five years of keeping good traditions. It's going to be a real good distinction. So you got to find out what are the good traditions that God wants you to get into. Those are good traditions. And when you do that, when you break the bad traditions, you are breaking evil cycles that you've been stuck in. You got to break bad habits, break bad associations, and break bad traditions. When you do that, y'all remember the three forces I gave you how to break evil cycles? What were they? The blood, the sacrificial seed, and the blessing. Now those are forces that he puts into place. But then there's an action you have to do is break those bad habits, those bad associations, those bad traditions. You do that, you get over into a cycle of blessing, cycle of good, where you cycle of victory, cycle of success, where you win all the time. You never, ever lose ever again in your life. Glory to God. Do a, do a self-evaluation. Purge, I mean, go, here's how you do it. This is an example. Fast from TV for a whole day. And then go back and start watching the shows you normally watch. But after the show, after you watch the show, assess how, how, how it made you feel. I'm just telling you. Assess what things happened with your soul. You got you to find out. This, this is the way you would do it if, if you were under doctor's orders, doctor's care. So let's back this thing all the way up and let's find out what's causing this. What's causing this issue in your body? What's causing this issue in your finances? What's causing this issue in your marriage? What's causing this issue in your family? What's causing this? You got to back up and start at zero and let's assess every little thing. Ain't got time for that. We'll stay the way you are then. 
Stay the way you are. But if you want to change, then, then, then check yourself out. Amen. Stand to your feet. <laughs> Woo-wee. This is how you break bad. You're trying to go somewhere in life, but you got to break bad first. Bad is like a ball and chain holding you back. Well, it's just bad. You can't help bad. Yes, you can. I'm going to say this, and you can, you can fire me after the service. Most of the bad is your fault. Your Bible says, the foolishness of man perverts his own way and his heart frets against the Lord. His own things ruin his life and he goes blaming God. You think it's, God, it's not God, it was you. You keep doing the same thing over and over again. Amen. I have confidence in you that not only do, are you willing, but you'll put things into action. And if you do it, you watch, your life will not be the same. You won't have to sit around waiting on another shooter drop with some kind of negative expectation. Glory to God. I'm just going to warn you, you might lose one or two friends in all this. Um, but the Lord opened the door, you have to go back and get them a few years from now. Some of your family might cuss you out over this, but it'll be alright. You're going to be okay. You're going to get through it. Don't cuss them back. Don't return cussing for cussing. Just, just, just keep on going. Amen. Praise the Lord. Father, We're so thankful tonight for this series of teachings about Breaking Bad and how you have shown us, I believe, uh, just in a, in a clear way, uh, the detriment of bad habits and bad associations and bad traditions, how they've kept the people of God stuck. God, we're your people. We're supposed to be living on top of the world. You said, Lord, we're supposed to be the head not the tail, above only, not beneath. Supposed to be peculiar treasure unto you. Special treasure above all peoples of the earth, your word says, Father. The people are all supposed to see us and know and call us blessed. 
So, Father, I'm asking you, Lord, that you'll help us to really be honest with ourselves and evaluate our lives and uh, make the tough decisions that need to be made <clears throat> about habits, about associations, about traditions, Lord, whatever things that are in our lives that have been holding us back. Even, Lord, making way for the blessing to work, even making way for the sacrificial seed uh, to, to operate in our lives, even, even making way, Lord, for the blood of Jesus Christ to uh, have its effect in our lives. Thank you, Father, for giving us your forces to work on our behalf. Just like you said in your word, Father, that, Lord, we are to work out, Lord, our own salvation with fear and trembling because you're working in us both to will and to do of your good pleasure. And so I ask you, Lord, tonight to help us, give us uh, grace, strength, power to overcome everything that's been, uh, every negative thing that's been in our lives. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your patience <clears throat> with us. That you never change your plan. You never change your, your plan for us, Lord God. Even, even though we've sort of, Lord, drug, uh, drug our feet all along, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you have been patient with us. And your plan is still in effect. Ready to move, ready to take off. And God, as we get things in order and, re re and shift things around and reorganize and prioritize and, and remove and replace, God, that we can operate according to your perfect will and plan for our lives. I pray the blessing of the Lord upon every family. I pray that, God, you will indeed, according to your word, bless us and keep us. Bless our going out and bless our coming in. Preserve our going out. Preserve our coming in. From this time forth, even forevermore, let your face shine upon us. Be gracious unto us and give us your peace. Let us walk in the fullness of the blessing of the Lord that makes us rich and has no sorrow with it. Thank you, Father, that whatever you bless, no man can curse. And whatever you bless, you'll keep it. We appreciate you and your goodness and your blessing in our lives. God, we'll continue to serve you, honor you, and bring you glory. Each and every day we pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Give God a big hand of praise. Hallelujah. Glory to God. All right, final reminder, again, on Saturday, 5 o'clock p.m., uh, men, we are here, all the men, I think it's boys too, is that right?